Welcome to the Film Comment podcast. I'm Devika Girish and I'm the co-deputy editor of Film Comment. Last year, Kelly Reichardt's new film, Showing Up, premiered on the final weekend of the Cannes Film Festival, and it blew away everyone who had stuck out till the end. It's a delicate, witty, yet deeply profound film about a sculpture artist in Portland, played by Michelle Williams, who's working on pieces for an upcoming art show while dealing with family issues, the bureaucracy of the local art school where she works, problems with her landlord, who also happens to be her more successful colleague, played by Hong Chao, and just all the other everyday problems of life and survival that get in the way of art making. It's a new riff on themes familiar from many of Reichardt's films, like friendship and the ways in which capitalism impinges upon community. But it's also her funniest film yet, a work that finds real joy and comedy in its milieu of eccentric, petty, yet infectiously passionate artists. With showing up arriving in theaters this week, I had the chance to sit down with Reichardt and talk to her about the making of the film, the casting of Michelle Williams and Hong Chao, the work of Cynthia Lati, Michelle Segre, and the many other artists featured in the film, and more. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Kelly, it's such an honor to have you on the Film Comment podcast to talk about one of our favorite movies of the year, Showing Up. Thanks for having me. And thank you for doing this uh, while you're under the weather. And oh, I know you're sure. running all over the country right now. So grateful to you for making time. Very happy for to showing talk to you. up. Yes, um, exactly. So I wanted to start by asking about what I think is the core idea of the film. So I know you said in the press notes that the film started initially, you wanted you and John Raymond wanted to make a film about the Canadian artist Emily Carr and about the years that she spent as a landlord, which she thought would make it easier for her to make art, but the opposite happened. Yeah. Um, and then you sort of came to fictionalizing that that idea. But yeah. what about this idea of life getting in the way of art was appealing to you? And mm. what, what made you, you and John think that that was a movie? Uh, <laughs> What made you think that could be a movie? Um, well, it's more, you know, we started with this Emily Carr idea because we were very naive and we didn't really realize how huge Emily Carr is in Canada. We thought she was a little known painter, like a great painter, a master. But, uh, and then we got to uh, Vancouver and we realized uh, she's, you know, giant. One, yeah. Okay. One man's obscure is always yeah. another man's, yeah, famous. Very much. Yeah. It would be like coming to America and, uh, saying, you know, who's Andy Warhol? Uh, so anyway, that wasn't going to be right for us, but, uh, we were more interested in, um, people, you know, just how you balance life with, uh, making art and, and, and just the sort of practice of turning up at your table every day and, or your studio and, um, and just the everyday work and how it, fortifies you and how it stresses you out and how, um, for some people it's just like food that you need to, um, have a project, uh, <clears throat> and that there's stuff that's in you that you want to get out. Um, 
And so um, we brought it closer to home. And uh, Cynthia Latte, uh, whose work is the work uh, of the Michelle Williams character, Lizzie, Mm -hmm. she was an artist that, well, John and Cynthia go way, way back, but I've known Cynthia's stuff for a long, long time also. And um, though I didn't know Cynthia that well. Mm. Uh, and so we, we, the script was, you know, we had her work in mind, which is so specific. And we were like, if we don't get her work, I, I have no idea what's mm. going to happen. And then um, while John was uh, working away on the script, I went, uh, I've made a couple uh, 60 millimeter short films with uh, visiting artist studios like Michelle Segre, uh, whose work is uh, Hong Chow plays Joe, and uh, that work is from the artist Michelle Segre. So uh, shooting uh, artists in their studios and spending time with them and just seeing how people who work in a more tactile way uh, operate um, was, you know, happening uh, parallel to us working on the script. And I guess the other big thing we wanted to do was that uh, the Oregon College of Arts and Crafts had uh, shut its doors, which was a very kind of fundamental um, art place for ceramics in the Pacific Northwest for decades. And so it was quite a huge deal that it had closed and, and, you know, uh, art schools around the country, uh, sort of, especially during COVID, you know, that being the breaking point and things closing. Uh, so we wanted to, um, we wanted to, uh, shoot that space and the art school environment. And, uh, so that, those were kind of the staples that we started with. And, um, and really John, you know, uh, formed the first, uh, pass up of this family. Like he really, um, that, that, that core family, um, in the, that dynamic, um, was, you know, that was sort of the, one of the bedrocks of it also. Hmm. Um, I I wanted to talk more about shooting on the campus of the Oregon Mm -hmm. College of uh, Arts and Craft. When I was watching this movie, I kept kept thinking of First Cow. I mean, I just felt so many resonances. Um, Interesting. Something about this community of people working with their hands and trying to keep going Mm -hmm. a kind of precarious economy reminded me of a lot of bits of First Cow and, of course, the setting. Mm -hmm. But then I was thinking... With this context about the Origin College of the Arts, it, that makes this a period film in a way, too. You're recreating a bygone time by bringing this campus alive. Yeah, I mean, it's not long bygone. It's just right. bygone. And, um, but it is uh, quite a shame. Uh, and, you know, throughout, uh, for, for a long time, I've been decades really very interested in uh, the... Uh, Black Mountain College in North Carolina, uh, also what well, now it's a boys camp, uh, you know, also defunct, but you know, that the concepts around that school that, you know, whatever that they brought from other existing concepts, you know, things that were on, but just this idea of the, if you put art in the center of learning, that it would 
create critical thinkers, which would, you know, be a good thing for democracy. And, 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 uh, and so that approach to learning and, and then it was, you know, interesting in this being such a, a digital generation and, you know, whatever, to see um, 20 year olds really interested in, you know, having their hands in clay and in dye and, and, um, and, and, the school was empty when we got there, so we had to create this entire school, which, you know, the art department under the uh, leadership of Tony Gasparro, uh, he, uh, he really, um, you know, the, he's just, they started filling the rooms, like we sort of figured out what each class would be and how kids would move through the school. And then he brought in, young artists and art students or recently graduated art students to start making the stuff that would be in the school. So as we were in pre-production, part of the school was our production offices and the other part. So we had costumes and all that going on in one area. And then the making of all this art was happening in all the rooms. So it became a really functioning place. And then we had the young uh, actors that were playing the students come in and, and it was the same kids every day because of COVID. They kind of had to really commit themselves to the whole thing. And they were learning all the various things, the looms, the dyeing. And then I'd get in there and they'd be teaching me because, you know, I'd be like coming in on my time off from another and being like, what's, you know, what are you guys making here? And how's this work? And, and so it was this real, um, uh, great living environment of everyone teaching each other and, um, figuring things out. And, uh, and, you know, it was really, um, it was, you know, next to this other thing that's filmmaking, <clears throat> you know, right. so yeah. What happened to that campus after you shot? Is it, it's, is it still just empty? Um, it's going to be an extension of this private school. And I, I think they're going to keep the footprint of the buildings, but I, it's all going to be revamped, okay. um, and brought up to, you know, it's <clears throat> a little bit, uh, you know, on the scrappier side right now, which I love, but, mm -hmm. uh, I'm sure it'll all be, um, you know, it, it'll, you know, it'll still be a cool place or whatever, but it won't be, uh, it won't be what it was, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. so. Did you uh, feel the resonances that I was describing between First Cow and this film? Um, I don't know. It's funny when we made First Cow, First Cow felt like all the other films, <laughs> but uh, I don't know that I felt that here. I mean, all the films have, uh, you know, do somewhat focus on, uh, relationships, maybe, well, friendship was a theme mm -hmm. in, uh, First Cow, obviously, and, um, and they also, uh, you know, community is a theme, and, in process is a theme in all of them, yeah. and, uh, and capitalism so, to some yes, extent. Yes, yeah, 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 sure. <laughs> so, um, yeah, those themes, like, keep rearing their heads, but that's, uh, yeah, that's our, uh, that's the pool we're drawing from. <laughs> right. Well, friendship is a theme I wanted yeah. to talk more about, which, as you mentioned, really runs through all your films. Yeah. And especially this idea of friendship that defies 
capitalism I'm using as a broad word, but scarcity and competition. And that's yeah. what's so beautiful about yeah. this film yeah. is that I think it's hard for peer artists to be friends, but yeah. there's also such beauty in like the those relationships. Yeah. I mean, you know, I can remember being a young filmmaker in New York and uh, really feeling like, you know, like I made my first feature and I thought like, well, all the boys that I, uh, that my peers, they're off making their second films and I, uh, that's not happening. And, um, and there were differences in, um, you know, some people had money and, and other people didn't, but my friends that, you know, had money were really generous to me in helping me uh, have a, like a space to work in or a couch to flop on or, uh, um, and we saw a lot of movies together and really it's those friends that you have your first conversations about filmmaking with. And, you know, 30 years later, it's still some of the same people that I'm showing work with and in a conversation, uh, with about work. So, um, I don't, you know, it's not, there's, there's not any like eh, 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 feelings of like, Oh, it's not fair or whatever, but it's also, um, your peers are your, really your main supporters and, and pe like, I'm always think the most successful thing in, uh, where I teach is if, if, people join up together and start working together and you realize when they leave school, they're going to still be working together. And, um, and so, uh, you know, in truth, it's not, you know, it's a big world and you're, uh, what happens to your friends at some point you realize like, Oh, you know, it, it seems like, well, what's good for one person. This is good for everybody. This means people are going to see this kind of film, you know? So, um, you know, it's not that there isn't any of that competitive thing, but hope the right amount of competition is it makes you want to do better work. And, um, and then you, you know, could feel competitive with someone, but when you see their work and they've made something good, you're, you're ultimately so psyched that something good is made, you know, that, wow, wow, that like, you know, I was into that, that it exists. Yeah. Um, that kind of trumps everything. And I think that hopefully that's true with Lizzie and Joe, like they're two in each other's stuff, but I do think they have, uh, I, I think they really dig each other's, uh, work and have a respect for each other as, um, makers of things. And I think artists like them, also know that there are very few other people in the world who can relate yeah, to them. Totally. And those are yeah. often your peers that... Yeah, for sure. ...that you yeah. maybe compete with a little bit. Yes, definitely. You're listening to the Film Comment Podcast. Sign up today for the Film Comment Letter. It's a free weekly digital newsletter featuring original film criticism and writing by Film Comment's editors and brilliant contributors. The letter delivers exclusive features, reviews, interviews, streaming picks, news, and more directly to subscribers' inboxes every Thursday before they're published on filmcomment.com the following Monday. Sign up today at filmcomment.com. I wanted to ask about the casting of Hong Chow and Michelle Williams, um, especially because I think 
Michelle Williams is someone you've worked with many times, and she's also maybe some would consider her the better better known actress of the two. Mm-hmm. And then to have Hong Chao be this sort of minor celebrity artist, mm-hmm. like local mm-hmm. celebrity artist, and uh, Michelle Williams's character Lizzie be the one who feels a little bit in her shadow. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was just very yeah. clever and brought yeah. out these aspects of their personalities as actors that I haven't seen in other yeah. films. And I, I love both of them um, in movies, but mm-hmm. I've never seen them like this. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. I hadn't gotten to work with Hong before, but uh, I I loved working with Hong. Um, and obviously I loved working with Michelle. And uh, it was funny because I, you know, you get to know people on a movie set and sometimes you're just like, oh, I wonder what they're really like in real life. And um, because Joe is very self-sufficient and things come really easily to Joe, like she doesn't sweat it. And I think Kong, it might be similar to that, you know, mm-hmm. just by luck of, um, but certainly that's how she um, presented on set. I'd be like, Hong, what can I got it, nothing. You know, she was doing a lot of work with Michelle Segre and um, really, and those guys hit it off really well. I think they were, you know, they met and they were supposed to, you know, spend an hour together and they, you know, they just hit it off and, you know, uh, spent the day together and then started, you know, Michelle sort of coached her in, um, in how to learn what she does and just, you know, and I'm sure Hong absorbed a million things from her. Um, but, uh, yeah. So and likewise, Michelle was spending a lot of time with Cynthia Latte in, in her studio. So they, um, uh, yes. And Michelle, you know, uh, is playing a, 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 a pricklier, uh, person and a more vulnerable person yeah. with less, uh, less support, you know, around her and Joe's more confident and has a family that's more supportive and is, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, they were really great together. I, I, you know, this, I find similar to first cow. I loved watching John McGarrow and Orion Lee together. And, and it feels like you don't really know till people arrive and they're in their costumes, like what the dynamic's going to be and if you've made a good choice and how it's going to work. And those guys also felt really close to their characters. And I would have had no way of knowing that beyond their readings. Mm. And this too, I felt like, um, I loved watching them together. I mean, my fa- I, I love the scenes with them together. Yeah. What made you uh, think of Hong Chao for the part? Was that, did you spot her in something or? Um, I worked with Gail Keller, the casting director, and Gail was is a big Hong fan and she turned me on to her stuff. And, you know, as soon as I saw her, I was like, oh, wow. Yeah, she's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I also want to talk about the respective artists that they, whose work that they are working with in the film. Um, I found it interesting also that Joe's character, she makes these installations, the Michelle Segre installations, and they're, they're big. They take up space. Michelle doesn't call them installations. Okay. She calls them sculptures. I mean, yes. So, but interesting, you know, um, Hong, I just know this because Hong called them uh, installations. Michelle said, oh, I'm not an installation oh, okay. artist. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Good to know. It's good to know, yeah. yeah. Um, 
but you they're know, big. They, they do yeah. take up a lot of space. Yeah. And then Lizzie's sculptures are so small. I mean, yeah. she works all week towards the show. And then you see it's a small table with yeah. these beautiful figurines. Yeah. And I was wondering if that is something uh, you had in yeah. mind, this big and small art. Well, one that would be... Um, Lizzie works like at the table with what's right in front of her. And, um, and her, and Cynthia Latte's work, you know, there, there's a piece in the film where, you know, there's this big moment of like this, is this piece screwed up and is it, uh, damaged or uh -huh. is it the mistake beautiful in adding something? And this was a really, really hard process for me because I, we tried a million things and I, the decision of like, is this, you know, burnt enough or not enough, mm. or is it the right, you know, uh, does this look ugly or does this look better or not enough? So much like Cynthia's work, because her work is not about perfection or uh, precision. There's a roughness to it. Mm. So uh, that was, but it all happens at a table and with your, with, uh, you know, hands and little tools and Michelle's work, uh, is you need a big space to work on it. It's you need your full body gets put into it. And she's dealing with, you know, yarn and wax and wire and foam and all kinds of materials and organic, uh, you know, mushrooms and all sort like her going to her studio is really fun. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, uh, yeah, so we wanted, um, uh, uh, Hong's character, Joe, to be a f person who, f who's physically art is like, she, she's almost, uh, you know, not that she's almost an athlete, but it, it's a physical job. She's hauling stuff all the time. It's physical. Mm. And, um, and that she'd be really comfortable in her body. And, uh, in Lizzie, it less so, you know, um, she's more, um, hunched over her table and, um, you know, really not, you know, taking in the whole room, but more just, you know, uh, uh, you know, like Manny Farber would call, you know, a termite artist yeah, yeah. <laughs> more than, uh, uh, but yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you brought up Manny Farber and the idea of termite art. So you were at the New York Film Festival for a talk with Joanna Hogg, yeah. I remember. And, uh, I think Dennis Lim asked you a question about, what it means to make small films, films that are considered small or minor. And um, I was thinking about that when I was watching the, you know, rewatching yeah. the film yesterday, because w with filmmaking, it, there's not that kind of scalar difference, you know, um, the difference between Lizzie's work and Joe's work is mm -hmm. something that's very apparent, but still yeah. there is something People ascribe scale to films yeah. in a way. I was wondering about your um, thoughts on that. Well, Ursula Le Guin has this beautiful uh, essay on uh, carrier, the theory of carrier bag fiction, and which stems from another writer's theory whose name I'm going to space on right now. But the idea of um, like the first tool as far as cinema goes, you would think the first tool is, uh, you know, like the bone that, you know, 
the ape knocks on the head and strikes someone down and then throws the bone into space. And that's the, but in fact, you know, the first tools were uh, for gathering and were probably some kind of basket or, or bag, something that you carried your seeds in or your berries in. Um, so, cause people weren't, meat eaters, unless you lived in the Arctic or whatever, you know? So, uh, so the early, uh, but she would say there's not a narrative, an obvious narrative thrust in, uh, the non weapon tool, you know, the, in the carrier bag, but that it, it does exist. It just takes, it's not an obvious one. Like obviously when the first, you know, whoever went out and, you know, struck something on with a bone and dragged it back. Like there was a story to be told there. And, um, as were, uh, the woman mostly coming back with the seeds, uh, there wasn't like necessarily such an apparent, uh, story tied into collecting, you know, but yeah, you know, yeah, the gathering of, so, but she subscribes to the, uh, carrier bag. And I, um, really love, that uh, piece and that um, idea of uh, it, it, you could relate it to film in a lot of ways. Yeah, that these are sort of uh, much more carrier bag uh, yeah. <laughs> films. And maybe more nourishing mm -hmm, in a way. Yeah. <laughs> um, I wanted to get back to Cynthia Lati. Oh, <laughs> less fatty. <laughs> exactly. Um, and less bad for the environment, I guess. Yeah. I, we can stretch yeah. the yeah, metaphor. Yeah. Um, um, I wanted to get back to the Cynthia Lati's art, and you you said something very mm -hmm. very beautiful about how it's a little rough, it's disturbing. Yeah. I was reading this art forum essay about her figurines mm -hmm. that said that they evoke children's toys, but are kind of disturbing because yeah. of their roughness, and that they pose the question: Can you have nostalgia for pain? Yeah. Oh, interesting. Huh. And. I found that very evocative of how they're used in the film yeah. also. Mm -hmm. The film has a lot of pain, like the For familial sure. relations, the the life of the artist is yeah. difficult, but then it has this also nostalgia, I mean, maybe not nostalgia, yeah. but this kind of affection for this world as well. For sure. Uh, the... Uh, I mean, a lot of what you make art about, right, is like stems from probably pain and trauma or whatever you know I think a lot of people that make art like maybe uh not everybody some people come from certain super balanced uh homes I guess but maybe um but uh yeah and I think those things can happen in tandem together where the very thing like Lizzie's very much in this cycle of you know feeling overwhelmed by her family and, you know, she has a job where her mother works and she, you know, constantly is leaving her table to go, you know, see her brother or her father. Like she, um, she manifests it and, but she also, um, you know, cause it's obviously feeding her on some level, but at the same time, it's a beat down. And so, um, uh, you know, so yeah, those things all are happening, um, happening at once. And I think both things are in the art. Mm. Yeah. 
Um, I also want to talk a little bit about the form of the film, um, how it's shot by Chris Blauwelt, mm-hmm. and of course you edited mm-hmm. it. There was an interview you did with Film Comment for First Cow where you said to slow time is a political act, especially in, in today's maybe image yeah. economy. Yeah. And um, I, I thought that there was something very beautiful about how the film, the camera seemed to luxuriate in observing art and its mm-hmm. process while Lizzie is kind of racing against the clock. And she's like, I guess I just have to use this sort of burnt yeah. figurine. And there was this almost tension between those two temporalities in the film mm. for me. Uh, interesting. Yeah. Well, I mean, a person does have a natural rhythm I've come to find out. And, um, so, um, when I'm first thinking about how things will be shot, uh, and then when I'm collaborating with Chris and then I'm in the editing room, I mean, I, uh, you know, I'll sometimes think I'm doing something really different. And then I get in the editing room and I'm like, oh, yeah, there I am. You know, like you can't sort of uh, get away from yourself in your own speed. Uh, and, uh, and for, you know, whatever that is, like better or worse. But uh, the, uh, you know, if you're getting across process, process, is, it, it's about not getting to the end result right away. It's, you know, it's like a study of what, takes you from an idea to, you know, a lot of people, like my students, I got an idea, I got an idea. It's like, great, you know, but, um, making something happen and, you know, how things evolve, like an idea is like a starting point and, you know, and so, um, so that you can't really just speed through that. Uh, but, um, but yeah, it's not that pokey a movie, I don't think, though. I don't know. It's funny. It's Maybe not it that is. pokey? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Is it po- I mean, only relative to anything else, I guess. No, I think yeah. it's not like, it, it, not slow or, or mm. in that way. I think yeah. it, it just, it, it accords I mean, a kind of a luxury to, yeah. to art. Well, you know? Um, you know, part of art making is like stepping back and looking at what you've made. And so you know, the camera is trying to reflect that too, of just like, you know, the stopping and looking and, um, yeah, looking, looking as opposed to, um, showing, you know, when you go into a gallery, you're not, uh, being, um, in, in a lot of times in films, you're, you know, you're being shown stuff and uh, different ways for that to happen, uh, good and bad. Uh, and this is more about just, you know, seeing and looking and letting, uh, giving the viewer time to make decisions about things. Yeah. And because we're mm-hmm. also looking mm-hmm. at things that are unfinished, you know, yeah, so right. to speak. So that there's yeah. also that aspect of stepping right. back and seeing something that's part of, in, on a journey. On a, yes. Yeah. Uh, well, I think I'm out of time, but I did want to ask one yeah. last question. The film is a beautiful showcase for local artists or just, I think, yeah. artists that yeah. you love. And you said that it was also a way for you to have artwork that you maybe couldn't afford to have in your yeah. home, but in yeah. your film. Mm. If you could speak a little about the process of choosing the art and sure. and just presenting it in the film, just using this film as an excuse for, it's like yeah. an art show. Yeah, yeah. It w- yeah you, uh, well, yeah. And also setting up the school was really like, you get to choose like what people will be focused on. Well, the art in the film, we've talked about Cynthia Latte, who John Raymond and Cynthia go back 
very long time. And early in my days of going to Portland, uh, I remember the first time John took me to her studio and then pretty much everyone I know in Portland, you go into the house, you're like, Oh, that's a Cynthia, like at this stage or that stage. Mm. Um, Michelle, uh, I met through the filmmaker, Steve Dalton, uh, who lives in Portland and Michelle's in the Bronx. And he, uh, I met her at a, a dinner party and I thought, Oh, that's an interesting person. I went home and Googled her artwork and I was like, Oh my God. And so I, um, started going to looking her up and, went and saw some of her shows and I loved her stuff. And eventually without really knowing her, asked if I could go film her at her studio. And so that's how I sort of came to know Michelle. And then, you know, when I'm in New York, I live like a block away from her so we can go see art together, which is great. Um, and, but, uh, and then Jessica Hutchins who has glass work in there, who's a friend, she, her studio in Portland is right near our camera house. So it was a great, in the tension of pre-production and all of that, uh, her studio just became this, whenever I was feeling really drained, I could go over to Jessica's studio, which is just like filled with color and action. And she's a very up person. Like she's excited about her artwork that she's made. Come in, look at what I just made. It's great. You know? Uh, and just her energy and the energy of her space and just how much she can, you know, things get made so much quicker than with film. And just, you could see her evolution, like just on her table from here to there. Those are really, um, things that mm. like, yeah, her space was really fed me during the, um, and then also Ben Coonley, who's, uh, I, my mate at a colleague at Bard, he came and did his... Uh, the light dome. Yeah, the light dome with the projections, which I loved, and it really brought teaching and filmmaking together because he worked with the art department. He spent a day with the art department setting it up. It was a big love fest. So that was super groovy. And then, you know, like, uh, you know, whatever. It's only one Kurt Vile song, but, like, I listen to a lot of Kurt Vile when I'm writing and working and, like, doing my image books and stuff. So that was... Um, fun and um and yeah I don't know there was it was a chance to get in in the background we have uh Chris Johansson's paintings who I love and Johanna's sculptures and whose work I love her uh she has stuff in Joe's apartment uh the painter Storm Tharp we have his work in Joe's apartment. He's a very close friend and a painter who, and he's, uh, you know, in the background, like he's, he, I, I love talking about casting with Storm and I love going to his studio. And in, in, in Joe's studio was actually Storm's studio. Oh, okay. And um, Michael Brophy, who has the big piece of art in the hallway at the school where the guy, the janitor's vacuuming. That's a Michael Brophy painting. And Michael Brophy for years did, um, used to take me on scouts and he would do sketches and we'd go back to his studio and he storyboarded like all of Meeks for me and all. Oh, and wow. so we have a, and, and then some of my location photos became paintings for him. So we have a long, and, and I, I don't want to say the, there's a point in the film where two girls talk, the two artists talk about his work, which is so, um, and um, I'm sure but I'm not forgetting people. him by name. 
yeah, him by name. I won't say because okay, it's okay. in a key moment. All right, but, all right. But, uh, but um, oh, I, I know. Okay, I, okay I got yeah, it. yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, Johanna Jackson, by the way, I should say. And who else lent us work? There was a lot of artists and the, um, and uh, even my friends, uh, John Hart had just made a kayak for himself. And so the kayak that comes through is made at the very beginning of the school. Oh, yeah. That's my friend. I was in the middle of making a kayak. And then the the knit suit was made oh, by um, uh, Allison Lawton. Her mother is one of my closest old friends. And um, she and her pals at Oberlin College, like, did crunch time knitting. And, you know, it even has a hat that goes with it. And so that was awesome. She's turned out to be just such a great young artist, Alice Lawton. And um, Malia Jensen, gosh, I'm not sure her sculpture's in the final cut, but her studio and her work, she's kind of key, uh, Portland. Um, it was great getting to put a lot of beloved art uh, and it's true that I'd be like, well, I can't really have this in my house, but I can have it in my movie. Yeah. It's like it's an exhibit, exhibit curated yeah, by exactly. Kelly Reichardt. Yeah, right. it's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you so much, Kelly. Thank this you. was wonderful. Thank you very much. Yeah. And uh, yeah, excited for people to more people to discover the film. And um, yeah. yeah, likewise. Right. Thank you. The Film Comment podcast features original music by Greg Einge. Film Comment is a publication of Film at Lincoln Center. Since 1962, Film Comment has been the home of independent film journalism, publishing in-depth interviews, critical analysis, and feature coverage of mainstream, art house, and avant-garde filmmaking from around the world. Visit us online at filmcomment.com.